say it's all right. Say it's all right. It's Hello from my Ram Cave, and welcome to the greatest show on grass podcast. I'm your host and ringmaster, Joshua Newman. The greatest show on grass explores the past, present, and future of the recently reborn Los Angeles Rams. That was It's All Right. From the Impressions, one of the top hits from 1963, a year we'll be talking about on today's episode. I know a lot of you are probably thinking that it's not all right that the Rams are heading into their bye week with a 3-4 and four record, but when they return, they'll face five teams with a current combined record of 6-14. and 14. We're in California now. How about some sunny California optimism, Ramily? The quarterback controversy. It's a leitmotif throughout Los Angeles Rams history. In fact, you can pretty much trace the entire trajectory of the Rams Los Angeles experience by chronicling their quarterback controversies. Bob Waterfield versus Norm Van Brocklin. Then Van Brocklin versus Billy Wade. Then Wade versus Zeke Bratkowski. Then Bratkowski versus Roman Gabriel. Then Gabriel versus Terry Baker and Bill Munson. Then John Hadle versus James Harris. Then Harris versus Pat Hayden and Ron Jaworski. And finally, Pat Hayden versus Vince Ferragamo. Every era, a different quarterback controversy. So perhaps it shouldn't come as a surprise that seven games into the rebirth of the Rams in Los Angeles that a quarterback controversy has emerged. Quote, It's getting close to golf time for the Rams, tweeted Vincent Bonsignori of the Los Angeles Daily News, following the Rams' 17-10 loss to the New York Giants at Twickenham Stadium in London last Sunday. Quote, Goff, you're up, tweeted former Rams wideout Tory Holt. Quote, Jeff Fisher is going to stick with Keenum over Goff because he gives the Rams the best chance of finishing 7-9, and nine, joked NFL Network's Adam Rank in his own tweet. And even the Hollywood crowd is getting into the fray, tweeted Rob Lowe, Note to Rams front office, you now play in the entertainment capital of the world. We know bad performances well. Make changes. Now. I'm sure many of you listening are frustrated that we're nearly halfway through the 2006 season and first-round pick Jared Goff has not yet started the game, especially with the team struggling as it has these past three weeks. But there's little indication that Goff will replace Keenum anytime soon. In fact, according to Bleacher Report's Jason Cole, Goff is a long way from playing. Apparently, Goff has mastered audibles at the line of scrimmage, which is a basic and essential skill for quarterbacks in the NFL. The information reportedly comes from a source within the Rams organization. While the 24-hour news cycle and the constant barrage of social media can leave us feeling like every sports controversy is singular and momentous, the fact is that a situation just like this one has happened before to the Rams. In 1963, the Los Angeles Rams drafted Oregon State quarterback Terry Baker with the first pick in the entire draft. 
and they did so when they had more pressing needs at other positions, just as they did this year when they drafted Jared Goff. Who was Terry Baker? Well, Terry Baker was at the top of everyone's mock drafts in 1963. Baker swept the college football awards, winning the Heisman, Maxwell, and Pop Warner trophies, and was a unanimous All-American selection. In three years, he passed and ran for 4,979 yards, at the time the second highest total ever. One coach said, he's the greatest college quarterback I've ever seen play. His heroism seemed to even transcend the field. Sports Illustrated described him, quote, a James Bond in shoulder pads. Before reporting to Rams training camp, the myth of Terry Baker grew even more. After he led the college All-Stars to a 20-17 upset of Vince Lombardi's NFL champion, Green Bay Packers, Baker was on track for stardom. He had everything you could have as a quarterback. Except one thing. He couldn't throw. Los Angeles head coach at the time, Harlan Sfar, spoke to the LA Times in 1987 about Baker's first training camp. Quote, when Terry came to camp two weeks late after the All-Star game, he was very impressive, barking out signals, whipping around and handing the ball off. Then we got into pass warm-ups, when most quarterbacks lob the ball. They don't throw hard until they get into seven-on-seven drills, so he hadn't thrown the ball hard. But after he'd been in camp a couple of weeks and the other guys had been throwing the ball hard, we started regular passing practice. He dropped back to throw, and he's still lobbing the ball around. I called backfield coach Don Heinrich over and said, Don, go tell Terry to put something on the ball. He trots over, and I see him whispering to each other. Then he trots back to me and says, He is. Terry Baker didn't have an NFL-caliber arm. Somehow that minor fact eluded everyone at the time. He simply couldn't drop back and throw a straight pass from the pocket. Explained the Rams' head coach, he was playing for Tommy Prothko up at Oregon State. He threw rolling out all the time to the left, which was very unusual. But he was left-handed. He was all right as long as he was rolling out. And that's why it was never picked up. Now, I want to be clear. Jared Goff can throw. But there's a similar conversation emerging around him that a college system might have concealed flaws in his game. Goff played in a version of the Air Raid an up-tempo, pass-heavy spread offense that frequently leaves college quarterbacks unprepared to do things in the pros like take snaps from under the center, take five-step drops, and run play-action fakes requiring the quarterback to turn his back to the defense. In fact, the reigning school of thought on why Goff is currently on the bench and Carson Wentz, who was picked right after Goff, starting is because Goff didn't play in a pro-style system in college, and Wentz did. But this reading has gotten Rams fans worried, because placing the blame for Goff's struggles on the air raid calls to mind the long list of failed air raid quarterbacks who came before him. Guys like Tim Couch, Nick Foles, Kevin Cobb, Johnny Manziel, and Geno Smith. So, 
In the spirit of sunny California optimism, I'd like to suggest an alternative explanation for Goff's bumpy start with the Rams. He's just dumb. And not just because he's struggled with audibles. That probably happens to a lot of young quarterbacks. But keep in mind some of this stuff. Well, first, there was hard knocks. You remember that Goff didn't know whether the sun rose in the east or west. His only tweet since the regular season started was an ad in which he misspelled the sponsor, Verizon, as Verzion. And check out his narration on a preseason studio tour of Warner Brothers that you can find on YouTube. We're in uh, Warner Bros, um, getting a really cool tour here and seeing a lot of cool things. I saw Gravity, so that's really cool to see. A lot of Harry Potter stuff, which I'm, I'm a fan of. That's right, Warner Bros. Because we all know that the one thing that Henry, Albert, Sam, and Jack Warner liked better than making movies was annoyingly quoting movies. When Goff was drafted, a lot of us misjudged who he was. Like a lot of fans, I made a big deal of Goff's star qualities, his Ryan Gosling-like visage. In the process, we lost track of a more salient fact. He's dumb. But that's good news, not bad news, because dumb can be coached up. Not being able to throw the way Terry Baker couldn't, cannot. I did a little research on Goff to test my hypothesis. It turns out his first year with the Rams has been a lot like his first season at Cal. Former teammate and tight end Raymond Hudson told CBS Sports last year, quote, he used to be very bad, even when we played Madden. He was just one of those guys. I'd do something and he'd have no clue what the coverage was or anything. He was always asking. Terry Baker would go on to an ignominious career with the Rams. He didn't start a single game his rookie year, and after three years with the team, Rams head coach George Allen cut him. Baker's career totals? 21 passes for no touchdowns and four interceptions. Terry Baker's memory should serve as a reminder to those arguing that Jared Goff replaced Case Keenum as quarterback, as if the memory of Keenum throwing 19 straight completions two weeks ago isn't reminder enough. No matter how much we want college success to translate into NFL success, it doesn't always happen. And if it does happen, it doesn't always happen right away. Under Roman Gabriel... The Rams won five games in 1963 instead of one in 1962. And we spent our entire fourth episode describing the ways that Roman Gabriel helped define the modern quarterback position. Thankfully, Harlan Sfar didn't feel compelled to play Terry Baker simply because the team had spent the first pick of the draft on him. I don't believe that Jared Goff is the second coming of Terry Baker. And I definitely don't think that Case Keenum is the second coming of Roman Gabriel. But I do think that without a competent left tackle and a true number one receiver on the field with him, putting a clueless Jared Goff in this season is going to do more harm than good. Jeff Fisher might ultimately be overwhelmed by public pressure to put Goff on the field, 
But I hope the Rams give Goff the year to allow things to slow down a bit so he can better digest the playbook and work behind a pro-style offense in practice. For all we know, Jared Goff might still become a star, even if not the brightest one. Not only are we a team, we really are a family. We're the Ramley. Cheers to us, cheers to LA. Live and breathe football. In our final segment, which we call Film Study, we dissect an episode or scene from a film or TV show that prominently features Los Angeles Rams. Thankfully, there are thousands to choose from, many of which we've chronicled on our greatest show on grass, Tumblr. What you just heard was the long-awaited promo for Hollywood and Football, the Rams' latest attempt to grab Hollywood by the horns, premiering November 30th at 9 p.m. on the E! Network. Participating in the six-episode series are wide receiver Kenny Britt, wife Sabrina, and their two kids, offensive lineman Roger Saffold, wife Asia, and their two little ones, tight end Lance Kendricks, and wife Danielle, who recently tied the knot, running back Chase Reynolds, wife Kyla, and their three children, wide receiver Bradley Marquez, and pregnant fiance Melissa, and fullback Corey Harkey, wife Bianca, and their newborn. Though it's only a 30-second peek at the series, I'm struck by how similar it looks to the other Rams docuseries we had this year, Hard Knocks, on HBO. Which, I guess isn't a bad thing, because Hard Knocks was fucking awesome. In the 30-second promo, you've got the same aerial shots that look like they came from Jared Goff's Ride in the Goodyear blimp. You've got the same shots of the Hollywood Walk of Fame, where Nelson Spruce and Mike Thomas posed for pictures with tourists outside the Chinese theater. And you have the same shots of the sunset on the beach, where Case and Kimberly Keenum contemplated the mysteries of their future. A lot of the most fascinating subplots on Hard Knocks featured Ram's significant others, not just Case and Kimberly Keenum. There was Paul McRoberts and Kaylee Nutzling Love Story, the Dion Long and China X White dorm room tryst that ultimately got long cut and Austin Hill and Valerie Hernandez trying to explain Hill's tenuous place with the team to daughter Raylan. Hollywood and football will pick up where Hard Knocks left off, though since it was made for E, there will likely be more focus on sex, feuds, and lip gloss. And it's strangely poetic, because the Los Angeles Rams of the early 1950s were the first pro sports team whose identity was in part informed by the players' wives and girlfriends. Who the Rams players partnered up with off the field became part of their collective mythology. Glenn Davis being fixed up with Elizabeth Taylor by MGM. Tom Harmon shacking up with B-movie fixture Elise Knox, most famous for being kidnapped by Lon Chaney in 1942's The Mummy's Tomb. Kenny Washington was rumored to have dated Lena Horne. Gerald Cowig married Jean Willis, best known for playing hard-boiled painted ladies and tough-as-nails saloon girls. 
And there was, of course, Bob Waterfield and wife Jane Russell. Keep in mind, all of these relationships happened years before Joe DiMaggio married Marilyn Monroe. Now, I doubt Danielle Kendricks or Bianca Harkey will call to mind Liz Taylor and Jane Russell to many, but there's a certain enjoyment to be had in the knowledge that, however inadvertent, the Rams' historical legacy is being honored. According to Us Weekly, the series' premiere episode features Roger and Asia Saffold throwing a party for the team with some surprise guests ruining the mood. If Saffold and his offensive line mate's performance is any indication, those surprise guests will likely be opposing team's defensive linemen. Todd Gurley had better hide in the guest house. Thank you for listening to The Greatest Show on Grass podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and spread the word to Rams fans in your life, whether they've been rooting for the team for 30 years or 30 days. Say it's all right. It's all right. Say it's all right. It's all right. It's all right.